Hi, welcome to Unscripted by Twine. I'm Diana Rao, and I'm your host. In this podcast, my guests choose from a library of deep and thought-provoking questions, and we just talk about it for 15 or 20 minutes. Our hypothesis is that as long as we choose meaningful questions, we'll end up in a conversation worth having. As Carl Sagan says, we make our world significant by the courage of our questions and the depth of our answers. Ready? Let's go. So I'm so excited to have my friend Jillian here today, and we are going to just dive straight into this. So we're starting off with one of my all-time favorite questions. Jillian, I'm so happy you chose this question. Um, the question is, how old were you when you first realized you were beautiful? <laughs> so I, I picked this question because I had an answer that immediately came to mind. Uh, so the story is that I was 16 years old. I was, and this is going to sound like I'm an actress, I'm not, but I was in a pilot for a TV show. Uh, I it was like, I think it was originally called Teen Talk, and then it was called Seven Sisters. But the idea was pretty much me and a bunch of other teenage women and adult women would get questions from teenage girls and we'd answer them. And it was my first experience being on camera. It made me really self-conscious. I was very self-conscious as a teenager. Uh, I was anorexic, so I was very thin, but also very self-conscious about my body. And... I also had an older sister, six years older than me, who was literally a model. And so in my mind, I am the awkward, nerdy girl. And like wow, literally yeah. my persona for this TV show, or not persona, but the way I, they positioned me was like the nerd, which looking back at it is hilarious because I'm like, I am so good looking as a teenager and like so classically thin and like five foot 11 that it's looking at it, I'm like rolling my eyes, like how can this version of me think that I'm not attractive? Uh, Mm. It was just so funny. And so, and being on camera really highlighted the insecurity. And there was a moment where I was like so rambly to get to this point, but I was saying in front of the camera how self-conscious I felt. And I, I made some comment like, oh, I feel so fat or whatever. And one of the camera guys who to me at the time was so old and like mature, I think he was probably like a senior in college, but he was like really handsome. And he just looked at me and he was like, what are you talking about? You're so hot. And he was just like so flippantly, like, like, it, like it was a <laughs> yeah. fact. Yeah. And I remember just being shocked. Like I remember like this wave of heat going through my body And it had just never come into my mind that someone who looked like him could look at me and be like, well, duh, like, it's a fact. She is hot. And I remember, like, he seemed a little embarrassed after he said it. Like, maybe it was weird he'd said that to a 16-year-old girl. Um, (laughs) Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah, but it just... It was like a revelation to me at that time. And it took me a really long time for it to actually sink in and for me to believe it when someone said something like that. That's exact, I was gonna ask you about that transition. Um, How long it took for the transition from someone saying she is so hot to you telling yourself and actually believing yourself, I'm beautiful. Like what was that transition? Like when did you get to the point or are you at that point now where you actually just 
believe that? I think it's really been the past two years where I've started to make that shift. Uh, I've been doing a lot of work around intuitive eating, uh, around like sacred sexuality, around seeing my sexuality as a beautiful thing, uh, and just being really comfortable in my own skin. And it's, I think it's my favorite compliment I receive is you just seem so comfortable in your skin because like mm. I've, I've had people say that to me and I started crying because for most of my life I was painfully, painfully not comfortable in my own skin. Um, but I think the biggest turning point for me was over the summer in July, I went to this thing called ISTA, uh, which if you haven't heard of it stands for... <laughs> This is, I feel a little self-conscious saying this. It's the Institute of Sacred Temple Arts. Uh, it's mm -hmm. a program that runs all over the world. It's a week-long retreat where you're diving into your sexuality. So like your relationship wow. with your masculine and feminine, uh, holding sacred ritual, learning how to hold space for other people to process trauma and release emotions and... It, I really think it's the biggest gift I ever gave myself because I had the story that, oh, I'm just an awkward, uncoordinated person who like, I see these women at like ecstatic dance or just like in the world and they're kind of like oozing this comfort and sexuality that just in my brain, I was like, oh yeah, that person, I'm not. I'm just not that. Like, that's not who I'm going to be. And then to just put myself in a space for a week where my sole job is to be present and be in my body and be with other people and like be in ritual with other people. I realized how naturally it actually came to me if I put myself in that space. And of course, it seems so obvious to me now, I would never discover that about myself if I wasn't in that space, I would have just continued living my life and been like, I can't do that. And then to see, oh, wow, like I'm with someone and they're crying because they feel so safe with me. And I'm around these men who were, some of them are literally trained, like some of the best in the world in Tantra and sacred sexuality and seeing that these people are attracted to me and they're asking me out and I'm seeing them after the retreat and I'm like, we're traveling together in these things that I never could have imagined just because I gave myself that permission. That's incredible. <laughs> like I have so many questions about ISTA now, but yeah. before we go into that, I, I want to come back to your sister mm -hmm. um, just because it's such a similar situation to what I had growing up. So I'm curious about this. I'm curious about um, so you had this relationship with yourself that blossomed over time as you got into the space where you realized how powerful and beautiful and confident you are in your own skin. And, but how did, what about the relationship with your sister? You said, you know, she was the model, you were the nerdy one. How, how did that play out? Was there a comparison when you were growing up? And at what point did that comparison start shifting? How did it affect your relationship with your sister? Yeah, my sister and I have had a very complicated relationship. Um, Growing up, it was just interesting because, of course, growing up, we're all centered in our own experience. I was definitely centered in my own experience. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that the reason we 
didn't get along so much is because we each highlighted each other's insecurities. So for her, mm. her insecurity yeah. was that she wasn't smart enough. And I was the person who was getting straight A's and in all the AP classes. And my parents were so like bragging about my accomplishments. And my biggest insecurity was that boys didn't find me attractive. I wasn't desirable. I wasn't comfortable in my body. And that was the thing that she excelled at the most because she's incredible at sports. She was modeling. Like men would literally like crash into each other looking at her. And so we just couldn't see each other clearly. And it was only when we both started to grow more as people as we got older. And so for example, like I was taking dance classes and she was taking improv classes, like things that the other excelled at. And we started kind of evening out as people that we started to be able to really connect. That's incredible. We're <laughs> such, we're the same, we're actually almost the same people, but different birth order. Mm -hmm. That's the difference. I'm the older one, my sister's the younger one. How fascinating. Oh my gosh. Okay. So did you and your sister ever have a conversation about this? Um, highlighting each other's insecurities. I think you put it so beautifully, but that's incredible awareness. Was that ever like a conversation the two of you had, or is it something that you've just thought about yourself? Yeah, it's, I don't, I don't remember a particular conversation, but there was a point where we were talking like every week and we were, we were having weekly sister calls and all that stuff. Um, and so it definitely came up of like, like we had the conversation where it was like, oh, look, like you're doing my thing, which is improv and comedy. And I'm doing your thing, which is dance. Like we're, we're trading places. That's incredible. No, I love it. All right. What do you think? Shall we pivot onto your next questions or you want to dive deeper into certain elements of this part of the conversation? Ooh, I don't even remember what my other question is. <laughs> I will remind you they're good ones. Mm -hmm. your, your next two questions are linked to each other. So it's what drains your energy and then also what gives you energy? Mm, what drains my energy? What gives me energy? I mean, I feel like all of this is connected anyways, like sexual yeah. energy, just life energy. Um, so yeah, I'll answer that. I think, well, like what I was just saying to you right before the call, like that we're in this bizarre quarantine social distancing situation. Uh, and so it's, highlighted even more for me what behaviors I do that are self-sabotaging and what behaviors mm. help me. Um, like it's so obvious. Um, so like right before this call, I was on, I did an hour dance class and yes. like, I'm not a quote unquote, like great dancer, but I have so much fun with it and it makes me feel good and it clears my brain and cardio helps me sleep and like all of these things. Um, so that, that gives me energy. Exercise gives me energy. Uh, being around other women who are in their own power gives me energy. Like women who can say, like who can brag about themselves, who can talk about the great things that are going on in their lives. Like that nourishes me so much. Like I joke that I should start a podcast called like women bragging about themselves. Cause like, like, we need more of this content of, like, just hearing yeah. the stories of women who have been living lives that they're proud of. Mm. 
Yeah. So that's, that's definitely something or a few things that give me energy. I love that. How are you, how have you built your tribe? Let's call it the tribe for now, a tribe of women around you that give you that energy over time. And I'm curious about also like how your friendships have evolved over time, because there's this, you know, there's this sort of journey that you've gone through from that 16 year old that mm-hmm. was like, I have no cog, like I'm not aware of me who I am to mm-hmm. now being so self-aware and so self like comfortable. And how have your friendships and relationships with women shifted as that has changed? Cause I've just loved to understand like what your tribe of women looks like and how you've nurtured those relationships and how you're continuing, yeah. continuing to nurture those relationships during quarantine. To be honest, my relationships with women is something I'm working on right now because like as I graduated from college, moved to New York City, was in the comedy scene, I'm self-employed, I developed a lot of really great relationships with men and all men that have a very feminine quality to them where they're very emotionally aware, very sensitive, very caring people, like a lot of caretaker men. Um, Hmm. but I actually have mostly have male friendships right now and it's, it's a thing I'm working on. And most of my solid female friendships are from growing up or from college who I'm still consistently in connection with. Uh, it's something I feel a little self-conscious about because like I'm in a women's group, I'm running an online group for women and I definitely have some sort of block with like deepening female friendships in my life right now it for some reason is not it's not clicking as much for me and there's a part of me that's just an acceptance with that of like right now most of my close friends are guys and like that's okay and on the other hand saying like also this is a pattern for me and what is it that makes me feel more naturally comfortable with men or like that when I meet a woman I'm saying in my brain, like, oh, this isn't a relationship that's worth prioritizing right now. Uh, it's like, it's something that's really real for me that I don't hear women talk about that much. What do you think it is? I think about this all the time, by the way. Mm-hmm. I Same kind of structure right now. What is it that makes you feel more naturally comfortable with men? I think for me, the biggest thing is not feeling like I'm emotionally beholden to them as much or that there's like as many emotions to deal with um Hmm. as I say that I'm like I don't actually know if that's true but I think like my closest Hmm. guy friends and we've had these conversations before they wouldn't be shocked to hear me say this is like we're we're all kind of like we love emotionally connecting and being present with each other and we really don't like feeling like any of our friends expect things from us or like you owe me X, Y, and Z thing. Uh, yeah, it's been, I think also with women, they will like highlight things that I'm insecure about in myself more. Like Actively I've had, or just by being? I think just by like being in relationship with them. Um, hmm. I'm just like exploring this as I say it out loud. But like I've had I've had some close friendships with women who are very similar to me in a lot of ways. And I think my my judgments that I wouldn't say to them, but that were in my head would come out more strongly. Uh, and maybe that pushed them away from me a little bit or like I wasn't as quick to reach out to them or to schedule a friend date or anything like that. 
uh, yeah. Interesting. Wait, can we go, can we talk a little bit more about how you feel like women will highlight things you're insecure about with yourself? Mm -hmm. What, in what sense? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like how I can say something specific without like calling out a particular person. Um, but I feel like in general, like a, a phrase that I hear from like my therapist or just friends who are in psychology or whatever is like, when you're judging something about someone or like if something about someone is really annoying to you, it's because you don't like that part of yourself. Yep. So if yep. I'm like seeing a woman who is really emotional or really desperate for male attention or like really wanting constant deep connection and I'm like, ugh, man, like I don't like that. Like it's actually not really about her. It's about what is it in me that, can't accept that part of myself. Mm, yeah, that's incredible. And your male friends don't mirror those insecurities potentially back to you. Mm -hmm. Hmm. What about who's been like, can you talk about some of the most incredible women in your life that you're the closest yeah. friends with that have broken that mold for you? That mm -hmm. are they, and you were saying that some of these women who you're describing this situation of women that you're working on right now, maybe they're more similar to you, et cetera. What about the ones that just you vibe with and you've just built amazing relationships with? What are they like for you? Yeah. I'll, I'll shout out my closest friend, Annie. Uh, we went to college mm -hmm. together and we've just been on a really similar journey of like, from college to now, learning more about connecting to ourselves and each other. Um, like we both really love authentic relating, which is this method of communicating with each other and being present in your own experience. We both went to this thing called Camp Grounded, uh, which is this digital detox summer camp for adults. Uh, we're both, cool. we both just deeply value communicating really openly and honestly uh, in a way that I think for a lot of people might be too intense. And for us, it's just really fun. And we love being curious about each other's experience. And I know some people will go their entire lives without a friend like that, where you can be like, hey, um, like I actually need to take some space from you right now because what you did like really crossed, crossed a line for me. And I need to take like two weeks and just not be in communication, and then I'm going to reach out to you. And to trust that that's actually the case. Just like even things like that. Yeah, that's actually pretty extraordinary, being able to trust that someone will come back to at some point. Mm -hmm. um, that's so, oh my gosh, so interesting. So this is a little bit off-road. This is not any, not related to any of the questions that you selected, but I am just so curious, given your relationship with your sexuality, communication, all this. I'm just curious about like what you think about the institution of marriage, how mm -hmm. you think about monogamy, polyamory, all this, like how do you think about the right relationship for someone who prioritizes relationships so much? Like how do you think about, I guess, love and romantic relationships and the mm -hmm. right structure for you? I mean, this is a thing I'm definitely unfolding for myself. Like, I know that my tendency is to be in connection with too many people because it's so exciting for me and then the depth of my relationship suffers. Uh, and so no surprise, I'm in a polyamorous relationship uh, because 
that meshes with my desire to be in connection with a lot of people. And is that potentially interfering with the depth of that relationship? Maybe. Uh, and it's, it's right for me right now. Uh, it's not a thing I hear a lot of polyamorous people talk about is the way the multiple relationships influence the intimacy or the depth. For mm. me, I think it definitely impacts that. And right now I deeply value my independence. It's a thing that I think will probably change as I get older, but I'm in my 20s. This is a new thing for me to just be someone who's self-employed, comfortable in myself, or at least more comfortable in myself, and the ability to explore how different relationships impact me and different things I can get from different people feels really good for now. Uh, so like, yeah, I get like marriage to me is so beautiful of just deeply committing to someone and saying like, we're in this. If you get divorced, whatever, like you committed to someone for probably years. To me, that's incredible. And so I think the thing I don't agree with is getting into a relationship with assumptions that you don't talk about of, mm. okay, we're going to be monogamous and this is what monogamous means and it's obvious. So we're just going to not talk about it, which I think is, or my judgment is that relationships I saw growing up that didn't seem happy to me. And so growing up, I never imagined myself having kids and I really didn't even imagine myself married because I saw how many people in my life were not happy with that. And right now, what feels good for me is just constantly designing a relationship with no assumptions at the start. Mm -hmm. That actually reminds me, as having conversations with friends or polyamorous, there's always this note of, wow, your communication, the communication it requires to be able to hold your integrity in these relationships is pretty incredible, right? And um, I you've gone through a lot of experience or chosen to go through many experiences that hone the craft of communication for you and being in connection with people. Um, what are some, like, what are some super important lessons that you've just held on to through the years and gathered that have been super important for you being able to be not just the best communicator, but the best human you can be for all these people that you're in connection with? Yeah, thank you for that question. Uh, I think one really simple one is when someone says something and like they're in a sharing space where you, you're kind of curious and you want to learn more, to just repeat back to them the last bit of what they're saying. If you end your sentence with, yeah, and I was feeling really pissed at him, for me to say, you were feeling really pissed at him. And you go, yeah, like you acknowledge that I was listening to you. You know that I'm listening to you. And then you keep going and you kind of expand versus if I just said, oh yeah, cool. That kind of mm. ends where you're going. So it gives the person permission to keep exploring. That's one. Uh, another one is setting a timer. My friends, uh, Kyle and Jeff, who run this company called Listenly, what they do in their workshops is they will have two people sitting across from each other. We set a timer for 20 minutes. One of us is just speaking based off a question. And if there's ever a pause, I can ask the person who I'm listening to an open question. 
And an open question is something you could not possibly know the answer to. So that could be, oh, wow, is there another time in your life where you felt that way? Versus a closed question, which is kind of a leading question, like, have you ever thought about seeing a therapist? That's kind of masked advice. That's another thing that it might feel weird to set a timer, but it's really cool to see what comes up, especially nearing the end of 20 minutes when you're just like, ah, I need to keep saying things. Like, let's see what comes out. Um, and any other things? Oh, one thing that served me really well too is if you're in a really kind of like, this is language I use, most people might not get it, but like violent language or where someone's being very accusatory or saying like, you are this type of person. Like, let me tell you who you are. Uh, mm -hmm. To just repeat back to that person what they're saying and it de-escalates the situation. Because I've been in situations like that and it's made me very grateful for my training in communication where someone will be like, you are a child, you only think about yourself, like you're a bad person. Like I've, I've been in conversations where someone would say something like that to me and for me to be like, wow, okay. So I'm hearing that like you think I'm a child and you think I'm a bad person and you think that I'm only thinking about myself. And it just softens the person. And like mm. go through a few rounds of that and it it gets like a little less aggressive kind of each time and eventually hopefully hopefully the person will be like wow thank you for just listening to me because it'd be so easy for me to be like fuck you like you're a child or whatever <laughs> that's I love these so awesome okay last so I know time coming up soon um what would you recommend for all those who are trying to deepen their relationships via Zoom right now with their friends or their families or just trying to host like group friend happy hours? What have you been experimenting with to bring people closer together um, when we can't do it face to face? Yeah, I think one would just be to have some interesting questions on hand. And again, I'm a huge fan of timers. People might think they feel kind of forced or weird. But I love timers too. Yeah. Right. Be like, oh, okay, like you're getting together with some of your closest friends from growing up who you haven't caught up with in forever. Be like, okay, we're going to set a timer 10 minutes for each of us. And we're going to talk about what we're struggling with right now. Like 10 minutes, each of us. And you can take the whole 10 minutes or you can stop early. But like, I would just love to have that time to just be really focused on what's up with you. And like, mm. I know for some people that might feel kind of like hippie or weird, but I, my invitation to people is to just try it. And of course the language I use is a little more formal sounding, but just be like, Hey, could we try this thing? Like we're, I set a timer for 10 minutes and you just talk about what's up. You can just say that. So that's, that's yeah. a tip. That's great. I call it a game. That's how I get people to start suspending disbelief I'm like hey guys want to play a game <laughs> everyone's like and the game is called game. And like, yeah it's like my game is called deep questions Russian roulette style it's really fun <laughs> but, yeah it's absolutely I know I love this oh my gosh 
there's so much more. So like <laughs> I have 500 million different places we could go. Okay. Um, so we can cut here. I can, I also want to leave some space in case you have anything that's on your mind that's been sparked here that you just want to ask slash talk about slash share about slash explore further in the next five minutes. Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay. What do I want to say? Um, what am I feeling called to say? I think what I feel called to say, I'm like staring at my window, uh, is if you are a person, but particularly a woman who doesn't feel comfortable in her body or doesn't feel connected to yourself or to other people, I just invite you to not blame yourself because we are conditioned to not feel comfortable in our skin and to not feel connected to ourselves and to not feel connected to other people because our system benefits off of that feeling of disconnection. It doesn't serve big companies for us to feel comfortable in ourselves or really connected to other people. Because if we can just have really meaningful conversations with people and love ourselves and not need makeup or a ton of accessories or super fancy laser facial or whatever, that doesn't serve them. And so it takes a lot of really, really active work and love and time mm. to feel comfortable in yourself. And so anything that you do that gets you to that place is a radical act that to me is political, where if you can be a person and especially a woman who is radiant in herself, you are showing other people what is possible and you are letting them know that that is allowed. Mm. Okay, I, I love that. So now you just one last thought on this. Yeah. If, you, if someone is listening who is, a, who is an amazing woman who doesn't feel comfortable in their body, where do they start? Where, what's, what are some tips or tools that you say, or even practices or rituals to just get started on that journey? I love this question so much. Two things. One, there is a book called Pussy, by this woman, Regina Tomhauser, AKA Mama Gina. It is such a fun book. Also really recommend the audiobook that's read by her. It's incredible. And there is a practice in that book that you can either do on your own, but it's way more fun with other women. It's called swamping, uh, like getting down in a swamp. And what you okay. do is you get in a circle with women and you start by sharing all the shit that's going on in your life that you don't like. And so you have a timer, maybe like two or three minutes per woman, and you just complain about whatever the hell is going on. And then once you've all complained, they put on, it's typically, I think it's two angry songs, two sad songs, two sexy songs. And no matter how you're actually feeling, you try and embody the feeling of that song as much as you possibly can. So like lights down, pillows everywhere, punch the pillows, scream into the pillows, have a temper tantrum on the floor, do all these things, sad songs, fake cry, roll around, do whatever, sexy songs, dance in whatever way makes you feel sexy. You're not looking at the other women. You're just in your own space, like eyes closed probably. Mm. And then at the end, you all circle up again and you share a gratitude, a brag, and a desire. So like, this is what I'm grateful for in my life. This is something I did this week that is incredible. And here's what I want to bring into my life. And just 
the shift that I have seen in women when we, and the shift I feel in myself after going through that process, it's like, we're part of this secret covenant and anything is possible. And it's so fun and it's totally free to do. You can also do it on your own. Bonus points from, uh, from Mama Gina. If you wear a trash bag, when you do this, if you're like really feeling <laughs> like shit, you're like, I feel like shit. The world is shit. I'm just going to look how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird you, it's so great can you okay could is this something that could be done virtually via zoom do you think totally are you gonna do it host one maybe i, I think it's a great nervous. idea i'll join you in a second yeah i'd be like let's do this ladies <laughs> but, but we have to wear the trash bags too. we all go wear trash bags we video it's that's like that's gonna be costume protocol Mm-hmm. For like, up. Everyone get a trash bag, please. It's easy. We all have Perfect. One. I love it. I love it. Okay. I think this is what a beautiful way to end this conversation, <laughs> at least for the recording part. We should continue forever. Okay. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press stop right now. Thank you so much, Jillian. No problem.